everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Fortnite Story. I'm joined alongside an awesome veteran of the Fortnite space, Frey. He's joining us to share everything he's got going on. What's up, Frey? What's up? What's up? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing well, man. It's been a, a good start to the morning. I know you're well ahead of me, so your day's uh, yeah. on the opposite end. But thank you for joining me. I'm, I'm looking forward to the conversation. Yeah, thank you for having me. Of course. So I would love to get started just understanding how exactly you've started in Fortnite. Because if I remember right, you used to live in NA, then you went to EU, and you've traveled back and forth all over the place. Like, not even just within Fortnite, obviously, that's your entire life moving all over. But if you could tell us a, a little bit about that journey. Yeah, so um, I was born in Germany. And I lived there for two months. And uh, when I was yeah, when I was two months uh, old as a baby, I moved to uh, Venezuela and South America with my uh, with my parents because of the job of my that my dad had at the time. Uh, my brother was born there, and then from there we moved to New York. We lived there for seven years. Then we moved to Peru. I lived in Peru for eight years. My parents still live in Peru. My dad was born in Peru, so that was one of the major factors of us moving there. Um, and when I was in Peru finishing school uh, in a German school there, uh, that's when I started grinding Fortnite. So basically for the first one and a half years that I was playing Fortnite, it was from Peru, uh, playing on an A service from Peru. So I was playing on a hundred ping like minimum. Um, and people always ask me like, why not just play Brazil servers? But they were almost the same ping and NA just had a lot more prize pool and was more competitive. So that's, I think why I played NA and I had friends from NA. Um, so yeah, for the first one and a half years I played Fortnite, I was just on high ping. That's uh, pretty cool. How old are yeah. you? I'm 21. Okay, so basically you were about 17, 18 when you started playing yeah. the game? Nice, nice. Yeah. And how many languages do you speak? Because you just mentioned Germany, the US, obviously you speak English, and then Peru, yeah. Venezuela. Um, I speak German, Spanish, and English fluently, and then I just learned like a little bit of French in school, but like I can basically just only say hello. <laughs> Same. <laughs> Don't ask me anything in French or German or Spanish for that that matter, yeah. but that's really cool. I feel like that's a very European thing. In the United States, people know um, like English, and they know like their version of English because there's so many different accents, and then yeah. maybe Spanish, but that's about it. Yeah, I think um, like a lot of people that are born in the United States, I feel like um, like a lot of them don't really like travel outside of the U.S. because United States is like so huge. Um, getting to know like ev like every place in the states is already like such a huge thing. It's not like in Europe where you can just like go to I don't know Italy for a day. Like um, so, yeah, a lot of people don't even move out of the states in the U.S. I think. Yeah, well. It's you basically can get everything that you need besides like the other cultures. That's the one thing that yeah. you miss, like the geographical stuff. There's pretty much everything within the U yeah. S. Um, but it is really cool. Like I, I got a chance to travel Europe and I mean, Italy was my favorite place I've ever been to, um, specifically Venice. And then, you know, I was in the Alps for a little bit. So I, I loved being in a different place because it's, very different but for you like you've traveled and lived in several different places not just like been there what has been like your favorite place that you've lived in and, and why uh i'd have to say peru um because i think one 
uh, thing is that the people there are like super super nice. Um, like if I compare them to like the average like German person, I don't know. Like they're so stressed and they're so strict. Uh, Peru, like people are very very kind. Um, we had like we could go. We basically went to the beach every weekend. Um, and I got I had a super cool friend group there. So um, yeah, and the food is great there as well. So I think those are like the main reasons uh, I like Peru the most. And if I could play Fortnite on like zero ping in Peru, I would definitely <laughs> go to Peru, but I can't. So Well, that's where your family lives too. So that makes sense yeah. why that would be the best spot. Um, New York, New York didn't come up there at all. Like not a fan. Um, well, New York was nice. We, we lived like 40 minutes away from New York. I don't know if you know White Plains. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, so, I mean, for the first four years, we lived in Connecticut, and then we moved to White Plains. Um, uh, that was super cool as well. I went to a German school there, um, and, I don't know, that was definitely cool as well, but uh, it can't compete against Peru. <laughs> I-, I can imagine. I'm not a fan. I lived uh, probably 40 minutes south of New York City most of my mm-hmm. life, and, like, it's cool for events and stuff, but... New York City is way overhyped. If I'm yeah. going to recommend like a place to for somebody to visit within the U.S., it's not going to be New York City, especially recently. It's kind of shitty. Um, okay. But yeah, there's a lot of a lot of awesome things to see, like the mountain range out in like I live in North Carolina, so Western North Carolina is beautiful. Um, I love that and the beaches. I grew up on the beach, so anywhere I can get to go to the beach and enjoy that is where I'm going to want to go. Yeah. Um, all right, let's, let's talk a little bit about Fortnite, I guess. That's mm-hmm. what you're doing. So you're playing Fortnite for Loot Boy Esports. And how yeah. long have you been with Loot Boy? Uh, not that long. I think like four months-ish uh, out of the top of my head. Okay. And how's that going so far? Uh, it's awesome. Um, we already, in those past four months, we went to Sweden together in the Dreamhack land. Uh, we just went to Gamescom in uh, in Cologne, or I think that's how do you say it in English? In, in German, it's just right, kind of, yeah. Okay, uh, we just went there for the Gamescom, and it's cool to it's kind of like a family, um, and we do a lot of stuff together. It's great. Um, yeah, I'm happy being there. Nice. Yeah, I I worked with them doing like a makeshift broadcast probably mm. two years ago almost. Um, it was back when I think. Who was on there? Uh, Kiko. Kiko was like the rising star back then. Um, And they had a few other big name players, but it definitely was when they first started doing things. And it seems Mm -hmm. like just now from an outward facing perspective, Loop Boy seems to be much more organized and understanding of the space. Cause I, I feel like there's definitely a big learning curve. If you've done other esports and then you come into Fortnite, it's just a smack in the face um because it's very different you're not going to get the support from epic and you have to figure everything out yourself so Mm -hmm. once people figure that out they tend to do pretty well yeah fortnite is super hard for orgs i think and then for you it seemed like this past season has been like a rebirth right you had Mm -hmm. pretty was it last summer you were having a lot are you just like was it last summer you had a lot of success um to be honest, I don't think I ever was really that good. I mean, <laughs> like my best season, I think where I was doing really good was obviously like the Flopper Island, like Frey Island, the season like Dreamhack, Sweden, Dreamhack, Anaheim back in 2019, I think it was, or like yeah. the start of 2020. 
um that's where i think i was really good and then i think for a while it was hard for me to catch up to like being a good igl and really learning from the best um and yeah i feel like i was kind of like just mediocre for a while and then uh, right now i'm super confident I'm playing with flixy he's super super good and i feel like like uh like i saw pink say once that um if you put in a lot of work in one season you're not immediately going to notice the results and I think that's kind of what happened to me. Like, I just kept improving my fundamentals and kept learning more about how to be a good IGL and what to do in certain situations. Um, that That's kind of, like, why I'm doing better now. And then that combined with uh, Flixie being a super good player. I'm super confident with him. Like, I don't see myself, like, ever not making a grants with him. And I think we should have easily placed top seven, but we just got contested. But go yeah. next. Yeah, you guys had a, a better day two than a day one. What was the difference yeah. between those two days? Did you make any major adjustments? Like, what was, what allowed you to be so successful on that second day? Um, I think day one, I don't know what it was, but we both made, like, small mistakes that just, like, costed our games. Maybe it was because we were nervous. I don't really know. Um, but we made, like two small mistakes off spawn that costed us two games and then like one game we should have won we had high ground made a mistake so and then instead of like just being sad because we were in 38th place after day one instead of just like doing nothing and just like kind of giving up um i don't know i sat there for like three four hours like vaudered every game and vaudered other people like i vaudered yannis because they were in first place learned from that as well and then we learned from our mistakes off spawn and then we just went to day two super confident like we were like uh, we can we can definitely come back like we can do this uh and then we ended i think ninth in day two and then 25th overall so we were we were super happy that we at least came back yeah it's a, a pretty solid improvement day over day um yeah. for you you guys were just straight 50 50 if i remember right yeah like a butter barn is really complicated off spawn because like sometimes it's straight 50 50 but there's always two sides Right. So we had way better drops because we like prepared drop maps and stuff like that. So, so if they get out dropped, they can just land on the other side of Butter Barn. And then it's kind of just RNG at that point. Like sometimes they got really good loot. Sometimes we got better loot. Uh, it's it's a super complicated spot to contest. Like it was never contested in any grands or any finals, I think. I don't know why they decided to con. I think they just hoped that we would leave. But uh, at least we're probably going to get uncon next finals if it's still there. Yeah, well, and speaking to NPen, who landed there for NA East, he said it wasn't worth landing at as an uncontested duo, so I can only yeah. imagine what it was like landing there, trying to split it some games, fight over it, spend all your heals, and walking away with a, a gray two-shot and a, a ranger AR in your inventory. It's Ooh. horrible. It's a horrible spot. <laughs> but you're like, still we... going back? Um like the thing is if there's like a new spot that comes out that i can maybe like try to claim i would but i think right now i kind of have to settle for worse spots because like in any if i for example if i take a tier one spot i'm gonna get contested by a tier one player it doesn't matter um but now at least i think i have a bit more respect on my name because people contested us took 49th place um but yeah if there's like a better if there's a better spot that comes out that's the 50 50 spot um, which means I can just grind drops and everybody knows that I'm just going to grind drops so they might not risk contesting me, then I would do that. But if not, then I'd just stick to what we know. And so wa walk me through that whole claiming of drop spots because this is huge and, and a lot of people don't necessarily understand how it all works. There are certain teams that 
basically have gained respect that you just don't contest. They claim something that that is their spot, right? And then there's also it seems like on EU you guys throw those rules out the window because on NA like you don't contest Buga. He got yeah. contested this season. You don't contest Scented. He got contested this season. And then, like, throwing it over to Europe, like, Taysen normally should be uncontested, but he had the 50-50 off spawn, and it's just been yeah. a wild season, I feel like, because now everyone just threw all those r- rules out the window. Um, what is, like, claiming a drop spot? Like, how does that even work, and do you think, Anyone even has the respect to get an uncon drop spot? Um, especially in the EU, I think it's super hard to get like to actually claim an uncon drop. That's extremely good. Um, like we saw with Taysen this season. Um, I don't know, like I don't know why you would contest somebody like Taysen, even if it's a really good spot, because nobody's ever going to do good in Grants 50-50-ing a spot. Like, you're not going to win Grants, you're not going to place top 5, like, usually. So I don't know why people would contest somebody like that. Um, I think spots are, like, like less 50-50 and more, like, skill-based. Like, I don't know, maybe, like, Jones is. Like, I don't think that's really ever going to get contested, because if you contest that, you're just going to get third-partied and die as well. Um... But Fortnite is a bit, like, I always saw Fortnite as a bit of a snowball effect. Like, if you start doing really good, people respect you more, you claim better spots, you do good with those spots, you claim even better spots. Uh, like, a huge part of Fortnite is just landing in a good spot, especially in Grands. Like, it just gives you a huge advantage over everybody else. Um, but like we saw with Buga and Taysen, I think it's pretty surprising. Like, even though you're the best player of your region or one of the best, you're getting contested now. I don't know why that's the case, but... Uh, just how it is i guess but yeah spots are extremely important yeah i I think the contesting has to do kind of with the qual system is somebody could practice and plan their entire season around landing a drop spot and like say did taste qual week one i don't remember uh either week one or week two i don't remember so they qual in like the first week and then somebody else fills that spot lands there they've also practiced it and then it's just unfortunate there's really nothing you can do about it some teams will leave but I, I, it was andalex and xwe's landing on them um no and granza was uh put us it was put and uh i don't know snazy i think or i don't know who put us i was playing with i'll figure that one out in a second um but nonetheless it's like this weird game of, you know, do you actually get your spot unconned? It was Potosai and X-Suiz was the duo okay. landing on them. Um, and they both finished about middle of the pack. I think Taysen got, like, lower 20s, maybe 15. And then mm-hmm. looks like Potosai and X-Suiz were 27, just looking at it now. Um, yep. But it, it just doesn't work. But at the same time, like, there has been this thing within Fortnite where people are willing to give up one season of grand finals to almost prove that they're not going to leave. And then that way the hope is that next season, someone will see what, what happened the previous season. They're like, Oh, I'm not landing on these guys. They're not going to leave. They're willing to do that. Um, do you think that's true? First of all. And like, do you think there's value in griefing a drop spot for an entire season to hopefully do better next season? Yeah, I mean, I think it's definitely true if you show people you're not afraid of leaving. 
um, then they're gonna have more respect of you, especially if you do good against, if you do like better a spawn in like a grand final or any finals lobby. But I don't see like that. Um, thinking like that won't work against, for example, Tayson. Like Tayson won't care. You can contest him three FNCS finals. He won't leave for the fourth one because um, he's just a top tier player and he made so much money. Like he's not gonna leave. Um, so I don't know why you would contest someone like him. But for the most part, that's definitely true. Like when we saw that we were contested in Butterbarn this uh, Grands, we had to think like, I mean, either we leave and dip like they are hoping that we will and then contest somewhere else because we're not getting any spot uncut anyways or do we just like show that we have like the balls basically to contest and stay at a spot that we practiced uh and then hopefully get an uncon like we thought maybe they're gonna dip after like one or two games but they stuck all 12 games but just showing that we will stick there and them like uh ending in last place like i'm 100 percent sure we're gonna get butterbar uncon and like any finals lobby now which is pretty good even though it's not that good of a spot, having a spot that you can get uncut every time and that you have practice is pretty good. Yeah, having an area that you can lock in is massive. I mean, if you, there hasn't been many examples of a team leaving wherever they were landing and winning. Um, yeah. I think Day, Miro, and Reverse were like the one that comes to mind when they were landing. Oh, I forget the name of the POI, but essentially they went some like slums split on the outside of the map got like 15 to 19 chests and just won an fncs out of that but that's the rare example most of the time the teams that are doing the best are taking one of those top tier drop spots and making sure they have everything so yeah. it only makes sense um now as, as far as this meta i know we just had a massive shift but how do you feel about the grapple gloves? Like, if you could build a perfect meta within Fortnite, because we're heading towards what is going to be the biggest Fortnite tournament in almost three years with the FNCS Invitational, do you think we're in a good spot now? Does anything need to change? And then with all the new things just thrown into the game with this most recent patch, is there anything you would want to keep from that or get out? Um... I don't like items that give you like a bailout if when you do like when you make a mistake or something like that. So for example, the like shield bubble just got added. And I think a lot of players like it, but I don't really like it because you can just do like a bad rotate and then just throw a shield bubble when you're getting lobby sprayed. Or um, I saw Sadie was doing like a boat rotate, just putting the shield bubble on a boat and rotating with the boat. I don't know. I like items that like. I, I don't really like a lot of items that give you that sort of bailout or even movement items, like even Grappler. I don't think it's good that people, like, t I don't know, 10 teams right off the bat in Grands have a huge advantage over everybody else just because they can get out of certain situations because they can just grapple and everybody else has to run. Um, so I think the ideal meta would just be zero movement or maybe, maybe just pads, but even that, I think, like, just makes people play weird. I think in a meta with zero movement... That was also the meta that I was really good at, so I'm a bit biased, but <laughs> I think uh, zero movement meta just makes everybody have to play way smarter, and it's just gonna, yeah, it's just the most skilled meta in my opinion. So if I could play, or if I could decide what the meta would be in Fortnite, it would definitely be like zero movement, and then just put some movement on the map, like like maybe like the geysers we have now are good, uh, slipstreams are good, um, but yeah, I don't like bailout items 
or just like RNG items. Like if you get three pads off spawn, you're gonna have a better game than somebody who doesn't. Like I don't like those type of items. You're one of the few I feel like that actually says that, or at least one of the yeah. few people I've spoken to, because that's what I believe is like the purest form of Fortnite is there's only map based movement, and then it's all mm. the stuff that pretty much turns off towards the end of the game. So then just like a pure end game and everyone is on a level ish playing field obviously it's never going to be perfect but yeah. with like especially the grappler more than anything like at least launch pads can be reused so there's some yeah. kind of mass benefit from a launch pad but i mean the grapplers essentially changed the way end games were played over the past couple of seasons because everyone just gets ahead, and then if you don't have one and you're on the backside of the zone, you're just screwed. Everyone's going to look back, and good luck. You're, you're spending yeah. tons of mats. You're getting beamed and probably going down, or you're shambles making those rotates if you don't do it properly. And there is ways. Like, obviously, some teams have succeeded without them, so I don't want to say it's, yeah. like, 100% impossible. But I would love to see a zero-movement meta or, like, at most, we get, like, peppers. Like, that would be okay yeah. with me. And this year, I feel like the only thing that's really changed has been the movement. Like, it was cars at first, then it was launch pads, and then we had the grapples. And that's pretty much been the change season to season. So it's interesting. I mean, the way we're trending is less movement. So we, we went from cars to launch pads to grapples. Now, do we get nothing for the invitation? We'll see um yeah well that's an interesting way to think about it i haven't thought about it that's true though we have been getting less movement every season this year um but even like small things like why do like two teams on the map get a car like joneses and i don't know i think uh coney or something like like just remove all cars why would you keep two um so i don't get those type of things but yeah i would love i would love playing a zero movement meta but i think i'm not sure with everybody getting smarter and smarter like having zero movement at all maybe would make like rng even better like like pulling zones would be like even more advantageous i don't really know we would have to see so i don't know maybe just pads or something like that but i think regardless of what fortnite does people are going to complain and hate the meta so that that seems to be the fact or like say it's awesome at one point and then terrible at another and and then it's yeah. still the same thing um pretty much always going to be someone that doesn't like what the choices are because i mean there's what probably a couple hundred a few hundred professional fortnite players at this point so inevitably someone won't like what's going on um yeah. i would like to see like a ton of map based movement if we're going to do no movement that way like you said it's not totally rng and there's ways um to avoid going down on those long rotates or even people using boats and stuff like that to figure out how to get around the islands. Um, one thing I'd be interested to know is have you thought about using fishing again? Because like flopper fray is a real thing. Um, you succeeded a lot using floppers and kind of helping create that like heal in storm late game meta that then I think Jack acorn no, Jack and Slacks. Was it Jack, Slacks, and Acorn? I don't know. But those guys used it then to, like, take high ground and make plays like that. Um, have you thought about doing that at all this season or in previous seasons after that, like, singular uh, time period when it was popular? 
Um, I think they're just like there's better healing now. Like you have um splashes, you have Mad Mist. Um, those two I think are better than having four floppers. Um, and also in like a grand finals lobby or any finals lobby, you have to be like a lot faster. Like you don't really have time to fish, and I don't think it's worth it at all right now. Um, but if there's like a zero movement meta. And maybe, like, Madness gets removed or something. I think Floppers would be super viable again. Okay, makes sense. Yeah, I, I mean, I didn't even think about that. But you're right. You don't have time to sit there and fish. Uh, especially get a worthwhile inventory of Floppers or Slurpfish to make yeah. it even worth worthy of carrying. So, yeah. interesting. Also, the nerf made, like, a big difference, I think. Like, it's only 10 HP, but I don't know. I feel like they're so much worse now since the nerf. Well, it's a, a, an extra tick, an extra second in Storm that you now get. Yeah. Um, and because like it takes one second to eat it, you would net 40 before. And now you're only netting 30 each time mm-hmm. you pop one. So it's definitely not as useful. That's a good point. Um, I didn't think about, about that. Now, going back to the Invitational, you're invited as a backup player. Yeah. How you feeling about that? It was awesome. Like, I was thinking about going anyways. Like, I was trying to, like, beg my uh, Loot Boy manager, basically. Like, yo, I'd help you guys, like, make videos and stuff. Like, please just pay for my flight and hotel. Um, so I was thinking about going anyways. Uh, and then when we were, like, all we were playing creative with my friend group, like, 3v3s. And then we saw, somebody saw a tweet about somebody, t- like, saying he was a backup player. And then uh, Kylie, a good friend of mine, was the first one to leave out of the lobby to instantly check if he got a message. And then he, like, slammed his desk, said, like, no, nah, I didn't get a message. <laughs> and then at that point, I thought for me it's, like, over because Kylie plays better than me in the last grands. Uh, and then I just, like, left thinking nothing of it. And then I saw the message and I screamed, like, I was extremely happy. Uh, and then when we actually got the confirmation that we're getting flown out and have everything paid for us is... It's going to be a super awesome experience because especially after Saudi, like I was just sitting at home pretty sad that I wasn't at Saudi and I, I saw everybody having fun and just being together and having this awesome experience that you're just never going to forget in your whole entire life. Uh, it sucks to be home and just watch it, watch it happen. So I'm extremely grateful for the opportunity and I'm hyped for NA. Yeah, it should be awesome. Um, and I, I saw you, I think you were asking Queasy to try and bring you as like his plus one or something like that. Yeah, I was, I, was, I was down bad. I was trying to get people <laughs> to, like, get me as their guardian and, like, stuff like that. But, yeah, Bro. Uh, I'm happy I'm going. I wouldn't say that's down bad. I mean, if I found a way to, like, get a free trip to anywhere for the most part, I would take that. Like, hell yeah. yeah. It, like, especially because there's a lot of people who don't necessarily need a guardian. But if they're under 18, you can kind of finagle that and flay is phrase the chaperone is helping everyone yeah. around <laughs> oh man um does loot boy have anyone going or are you the singular loot yeah boy player? um hydro and belusi quad okay they're going and then i'd be going so us three and then a manager and the owner of loot boy wants to go as well so we would be five nice nice we'll have to catch up when we're there um yeah 100 percent. and then do you do you think there's any shot that you play? Like, what are uh, the... No? There, there's no shot. I mean, I I saw Boop said in his stream, and I think it's true. The big advantage of playing with somebody like me is you know that you're going to get go into the finals 100% prepared. 
and I'm gonna know what to do in every zone pull. Uh, but that's not the case with a backup player. Like you're going in with zero preparation, basically. Like I don't think there's that much time to even prepare anything. Uh, so there's gonna be like just realistically, there's gonna be better options than me, like uh, Kanada, Hellfire, Andalex, Deceptos. Like there's so many good players that people are gonna pick before me. But I'm fine with that. Like uh, I'm super happy to go there anyways, even though I'm not gonna play. Um, it's just gonna be an awesome experience either way. I mean, you do kind of have an advantage if there's a Spanish player, there's a German player, there's an English-speaking player, and there's no other options. Like, I haven't looked at, you know, who speaks what language out of the backup players, but that could be a a big advantage for you. Someone that needs, you know, a a Spanish speaker or a German speaker. Yeah, that's true, I guess. I mean, but I'd rather, like, go into an A being like in my head being like sure i'm not gonna play and being okay with that rather than like hoping like the whole time that oh hopefully i'm gonna play you know so i'd rather just go and thinking i'm not gonna play yeah that makes sense that's the right mentality to have around it too and it should be a sick experience um based on what they've done over the past year for like player experiences whether it be just recording for content or the media days uh blast and the epic team have seemed to take care of you guys and done a really good job of it putting you up in nice hotels taking care of the food and even like adding those experiences so regardless of if you get to play or not it's gonna be 100 percent worth it and i'm sure you won't won't forget the experience yeah 100 percent. um would love to get like a way too early prediction of the invitational um, I know you may have not thought about it, but I'm going to ask you to think about it now and kind of give me one, is it 100% EU? And if so, you got to give me a team and then who from some of the other regions you think will do well. Um, so I haven't, I don't know if there's a map for the invitational. If there is, I haven't looked at the map at all. Not yet. It's but... absolutely shambles. It's like three teams landing both splits of the central part of the map and it, it will yeah. change but it's not yeah, so yeah what happens in these types of tournaments if people qualify from all around the world is that the best teams from every region usually claim the best spot so those spots are probably going to be contested because everybody wants to land at their spot and they did really good at it they like were the best in the region from the spot so they want to keep landing there so those spots are going to be a bit crazy like i don't know maybe some respect like the team landing there and leave but I think there's definitely going to be a lot of ego drop spot battles at Invitational. Um, I think Yanis and Vadial have Uncon Greasy. Like, I think Kanada is only backup player, so I don't think anybody will contest them. Uh, if they have Greasy Uncon, they're winning. Like, they're just so consistent right now. They're so good. Yanis has been putting in more time than normally. Vadial used to be a non-grinder. He's grinding his heart out. Like, they deserve it. They're popping off. They're super good. Uh, so I think like if they get Greasy Uncon, uh, they're winning it. Um, but EU is definitely gonna dominate Invitational. Like we saw it at um, Saudi as well. Like EU in top ten, I don't know. There were so many EU teams. Um, EU is just ahead. People that like still think that that's not true are just a bit biased. Like EU is just a way stronger region, and the teams there just know how to play better. So I think EU is definitely gonna dominate. Like. My guess would be maybe in top 10, like it's going to be like at least six EU teams in top 10, like That's, minimum. I, I would expect probably six. I, w- I was even going to say seven. Um, yeah. But we'll see. I mean, there's a, probably going to be one surprise from one of the smaller regions. 
Obviously, yeah. like Epic Whale and Reet have proven themselves on a more global stage, not 100% this kind of lobby. And then there's a couple NA East teams that I think will do really well. But like you said, I used to like hate that whole conversation of like EU's better than everyone else. But watching how finals play out and, you know, talking to people regularly, it is true. Like you guys have the practice, you have people grinding their ass off, trying to get better and... I don't see that in other regions. Maybe, you know, I have a blind spot somewhere and I can't actually see it, but mm-hmm. I think that will pay dividends, especially when it comes to this kind of international competition where the stage is set and nobody can, can hide from any excuse. It's literally what effort you put in, the practice, the time, and it shows uh, when it comes to the game. So that is interesting. Uh, definitely agree with your picks. I mean, if Giannis Fadil get uncons they have a huge advantage because i mean everyone is going to believe that they're the best team at their drop at least i would hope so if you're going into an event like this um and then we'll see how how it changes over time my i think most people like the interesting and like the crowd favorite early is like malibuka and mustache just because of how they've been playing recently um have you you watched any of them have you seen like how yeah. exactly they play no they're they're crazy i mean i i prefer watching like if i'm gonna bother you i prefer watching somebody else though like maybe like uh set in kami who i think i'm are gonna probably dominate uh invitation as well but because like they're just so insane like they're so fast they hit every shot that they get out of situations they shouldn't and they go for plays that like people would think are bad plays but it works because it's them um but I think they're also, I think people, like, for a while, I thought they're just, like, two kind of, like, dumb players that are just so good that they can get out of any situation. But I think they're also a lot smarter than people think. Um, but if I'm going to bother you somebody, I prefer learning from, like, a really, like, solid game plan where you don't really need refreshes rather than just watching, like, two crazy players. Like, they're so good. But if I'm going to learn from a team, I usually pick somebody else. Yeah, that makes sense. I enjoy it from like a third party perspective, knowing that I'm never actually going to be able to do that. So just yeah. enjoy watching it. But for someone like yourself, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, um, because if I if I watch them and then try to copy the way they're they're playing, I'm just gonna die because I go for like dumb <laughs> pre-edit plays and stuff. Like it's not worth it. Yeah, no, they literally just decide to pre-edit and then like two seconds later, the walls down. They're shooting somebody. It's like. What the heck just happened? And I'm sure teams that get pre-edited by them think the same thing. Like, we were chilling in our box just a second ago, and what? Okay. Um, (laughs) The cool thing about them is for, like, they may have not discussed this, but it seems whenever I've watched them is they always seem to shoot the same person after the pre-edit goes down, and then it's just, like, quickly that 2v1, and nobody's really putting shots back. So it's a... an interesting team to watch and i'm i want to see how like uh, a buga and miro are able to compete with that on a mid ground mm-hmm. because that's a team that i think at least like conceptually will clash with them several times and buga and miro aren't really a team that likes to fight towards end game yeah. um and if they're forced to that could be a huge issue but then i also think they're a smart enough team to understand what's going on and try and figure out ways around it or know that okay someone's on our wall it's probably those two we're gonna have to 
like commit to this rather than trying to run away because once you run you're you're screwed yeah <laughs> yeah i know that, that's definitely gonna be interesting to see but i think like just with how confident malibu gamers are like they won't care who is in their lobby they're just gonna pee it on everybody kill everybody and <laughs> like probably they're definitely gonna end up in top five i think uh if they don't get contested like at least top five probably top three yeah. um but we'll see I think so too. Is there any teams from NA or any of the other regions you think will do well outside of the EU teams? Um, I don't really watch that much NA, um, but I think, I mean, I don't know if Buga and Miro are gonna be contested, um, but if they're uncon, like they're they're both they have such a solid game plan. They've always been so good. They've dominated the region for so long. Like that would definitely be my first pick. Uh, and then for the rest, I don't really know. Uh, I don't watch NA enough to, like, really have a good prediction. I think. Fair enough. Do you follow any any other region besides uh, EU? No, I mean, for the most part, I just focus on EU. Like, I used to watch EU, like a bunch of other regions as well, but I feel like instead of watching like the first place team on NA, I might as well just watch you the first and second place team on EU. I feel like it just makes more sense because the regions play a bit differently and EU being the best region right now, I think it just makes more sense for me to put my time into watching that and viewing that. Okay, that makes sense. Um, now, when you go in and VOD review, is there someone you've learned the most from? Is there someone you enjoy watching and like taking in their gameplay? Because for me, just watching from a third-party perspective, Malibukum or Stash, Sentin and Cold are probably two of my favorites to watch. Um, mm -hmm. Granted, I don't need to like turn that into gameplay, but from your perspective, is there someone, whether it be now or over the past year or two, that you've really enjoyed watching and learning from and developed your gameplay to be similar to? Yeah, so I think the people... The two duos, or the yeah, the two players I've learned the, learned the most from are definitely Taysen and Seti. Um, Seti and Kami, they they just have such a solid game plan. They don't take any risk really, um, and they just like they just play perfectly like a lot of the games they play. So I learned a lot from them, and then this season I also learned a lot from watching uh, Taysen. He was like the I think the first team I valued this season. Because I do think, like, now that I think about it, I think they qualified week one. So, um, yeah, I learned a lot from them because they also play without grapplers. Um, um, I implemented a lot of the things I saw Taysen do into my own gameplay and my own, like, IGLing. Uh, and, yeah. But this season, like, I pretty much valued everybody. Like, this season was, uh, I think, the season I valued the most. And I think it paid off as well. Um, like every FNCS qualifier, I valued like every duo that qualified. I valued every duo that did good in Cash Cup finals. I have a Discord where I write everything down. Um, yeah, like this season was crazy. I definitely learned a lot. But from I think from like Queasy, Seti, and Taysen would be like my top three of like how much I've learned from them. Like they're all great players. Makes sense. They're probably three of the best like IGLs maybe in the world, if not eat just eu but we'll find out the the first part in a few months um yeah. now can you give me like an example of something you've taken away or something you've learned because a lot of people like sit down vod review and then it 
doesn't really help. Like, all I did was watch the games. They didn't actually VOD review or find something to help them. Like, what is something that you've learned from one of those guys that then you've put into your gameplay, and how exactly did you do that? Yeah, so I think what you just said is completely true. I think a lot of people just, like, think they're VOD viewing and just watch people play, and then they don't really, they don't write anything down. They don't, like, really try to analyze why they're doing what they're doing, and then they really never implement it into their own game, so they're kind of just wasting their time. Um, but a really big thing that I learned from Chasen this season, I think, is um, the importance of rotating early. Like, um, I think Chasen, like, most of the games, he would, Zol would pull, and he's like instantly moving or even moving a bit before his own pulls because he's like on edge and won't pull zone anyways. Um, and people think like that's super risky in a finals lobby, but it just works so well. Uh, I also learned like him running on low ground first, moving super free uh, instead of like trying to elevate and go weird layers. Um, I think those are like the two main things. Uh, and then, uh, yeah. I won't talk about everything because then I'll just be leaking. But those are like two main <laughs> things that uh, I learned, I think. All right, cool. Yeah, I think that's, that's super important. Thank you for sharing that. Um, mm -hmm. Because one of the biggest things is people like to VOD review. And then especially the people that don't like to VOD review will like simply just jump into a game, watch it. They'll be like, this person did this. This person did this. And, like, don't take away common themes or trends and, like, mm -hmm. actual pieces to take advantage of and just take, like, one scenario where this person made an edit or, like, rotated in this one way in a singular game. And that's not super helpful to look at long term. Um, but yep. it's cool to hear you taking away, like, larger pieces and just watching EU Grand Finals, I, I remember you guys on the low ground several times making plays or, like, just rotating out in the open for free so I can even yeah. see those pieces you mentioned. Yeah, definitely. I think um, also it's important when you bother you that people look at, like, the entire game and they don't just, like, skip to endgame um, because you kind of, like, want to know the story of the game, like, what got them to the position they're at. Um, and sometimes, like, mistakes you made in like the first or second zone are the ones that end up costing your game at 50 50 because you're just like super scuffed in a bad position so you can't just look at end game and then think like you're learning a lot um if you want to value then actually take the time to look at everything uh and i'd say like don't value too much every day like just watch like three games but watch those three games in depth and know what you're like trying to learn uh and then uh, yeah, write stuff down. I put screenshots in my Discord um, while writing stuff down just so I can remember things. Uh, and then the next step would be, like, take what you learned and implement them into scrims. Uh, you're wasting your time if you just, like, are bored and you don't really want to value and you're just watching the game on, like, four times to just to get it over with. Like, you're not really going to learn anything. Cool. Yeah, I definitely agree with all of that you just said. Um have you worked with a coach th this year or worked with anybody to get better? Because a common theme that I've noticed from a lot of the top players and teams have been working with somebody uh, to help improvement. And it seems a lot more accepted over the past, let's say, year and a half to have a coach. Whereas, you know, when it first was a thing people like oh fortnite coaches suck maybe it's because they have credibility now and people have built kind of like a, a resume as a coach but do you work with anybody and like what's your kind of view on coaching in fortnite 
Yeah, so this season, Flixie and I worked, uh, worked with Coach Lewis. Uh, he's also He also coached uh, Hydra and Belusi. Um, and I think coaches are still super underrated. Like, even if you think that you know more than the coach does uh, and that you have, like, more experience than the coach does, just having that, like, second, uh, like, POV, that sec like, just that ins insight from somebody else that maybe sees certain situations differently than you do, um, or like sometimes you just do a mistake, but you have an ego, so you don't want to accept that you made the mistake, uh, or you generally don't realize it. Like it's just good to have that second person there that has a different insight, and maybe some things you don't agree on, but some things you do. And hundred uh, percent, I think it's super important. You obviously don't want to work with like a random coach that, like maybe is horrible, but um, I don't know. Coach Lewis helped definitely helped us a lot, and is definitely one of the reasons. Uh, we improved a lot this season. It's also important to have a duo that is willing, like actually wants to have a coach and is willing to put in that time to really listen to what the coach has to say and implement that into your own game or it's kind of a waste of money and time as well. Um, but yeah, I think it's pretty important and I think yeah, most like really good players have really good coaches as well. So um, yeah, it 100% helps. Yeah, I mean, you look at any other game, any other like sport, coaches are helping the players and it's not necessarily that they have to be even more knowledgeable about the game um because a lot of great coaches what they bring to the table is getting greatness out of people that necessarily wouldn't have come out without someone pushing them or things like that obviously it's a little harder in Fortnite because you don't have that interaction face to face on a regular basis so it's no. likely more technical um for you, what was like the the biggest benefit of having a coach? If you had to pick like a singular thing of why you even want a coach, like what would that be? Um, I think it's what it, what I mentioned before, just having that like second pair of eyes to look over your games. Uh, that second person that can like if I if my do and I Flixie argue about something, and uh, we both think we're right, just to have another opinion there. Uh, and having another guy that's like kind of motivating uh, us to put in the work uh, and helping us doing so. Um, yeah, uh, I think that's the most important thing. Like for us, we didn't, he didn't live coach us. Um, like me personally, I'm not a big fan of live coaching um, because when I get live coached, um, me being the IGL, I kind of like rely on the coach too much and like don't think about everything I want to think about. So that's why I don't like live coaching, but um he live coached Hydra and Belusi. They did really good as well. I think it just depends on like what you need from a coach um, and what you're looking for. But for me, yeah, just having that second like pair of eyes to look over your games and uh, have like new ideas or things you didn't think about. Yeah, uh, that's been the most common theme when speaking to players is really just being that in between, not having to argue over like this was right or wrong. And having that person be like, here's what happened. This is what should have happened, right? And then it's not an argument between you and your duo every single time. Not that it is, right? But it's easier to have those conversations when there's this unbiased third party watching what's going on. Um, and that makes sense for you to not have like live coaching as an IGL because you understand the game very well and it probably makes you second guess some things at times which then slows down the entire process and you can't play slow in this game if you play slow or you you waste time it's not going to go well um 
I would like to learn a little bit more about your duo in Flixia. I honestly don't know a ton about him. Uh, it just seems like a, a newer player to me uh, compared to a lot. But, you know, can you tell me a little bit more about Flixie? Where is he from? Uh, how does he play? And, like, how did you guys figure out that the duo works together? Yeah, so Flixie is 16 years old. Uh, he lives in Germany as well um and he's actually made the past three grands so he, he's made every grands this year uh the first grands though like they auto qualified and his duo got banned uh from fortnite i think it was because it, i'm not 100 percent sure but i think his duo like used to cheat and then he made a new account and then he got banned for like ban evading or something like that so he didn't even get to play the grands that he qualified for uh then the grands after that he qualified with key duo uh, through like one of the last reboot round games like heat three um and then yeah um i will in that season he was playing with uh, kid duo uh i was playing with globshi and he, he couldn't play fnc this fncs because he went to uh, like africa with his uh, family so i was looking for a duo and, and i definitely when i look for a duo i definitely want somebody that puts in a lot of time and that like I want to play with like a fragger. I want somebody that can just go crazy, full full piece, two kids and two hundred pump both of them, you know. <laughs> so Flexi is like super fast. Um, and there's not a lot of people that there's not a lot of kids like that younger people that grind a lot. Um, and actually like really want to make this work. That really pursuing this dream. That actually listen to the IGL and that want to improve from mistakes while being like crazy at doing what they're doing. Um, and that's what I saw in Flixie. Like he's also his parents just allowed him to take a year off of school to pursue Fortnite. Um, and I know he takes it super seriously. So I think that that's super important for me because I'm someone that wants to really make this work and put in so much time. And I don't want anybody that I would have to beg him to play customs with me. We have to beg him to vote you. Um, so that's really important. And then I think yeah, we just fit well together because we both really want to put in the time we both learn from mistakes i think we improve pretty fast together and then yeah i'm just like the brains and he's the fragger and it just works well together um but at the beginning when we were playing together we didn't really know if it's gonna work um because the first three duo cash ups we played together this season uh, we didn't qualify any of them um but i think i kind of had an idea like i think i knew like th this guy is really good if we stick and i kind of like help him fix some things and i fix some things on my own I think uh, it can work very well. And then, yeah, we just had a, like, I had the best season I've ever had after that. Like, we, we quad the three next dual cash cows back to back. We made all three weekly finals in FNCS. We got sixth place in one of them, almost auto quad, and then quad the heat, like, quad the grands and heat one. Uh, and I, like, the last grands I've made before that was uh, solo invitational. So, uh, super long time ago. Um, so, I'm, like, extremely proud of how this season went so far. And uh, that's, yeah. Part of it is just because of Flixie being so good, and then the other part is I think uh, I just outwork ninety nine point nine percent of the pros, and I really want to make this work. So I have a I think I have a drive and passion that not that many players have. Good for you, man, and respect to both you and Flixie for putting in the effort and the time. Uh, I feel like a lot of people and players within this space, if they don't qual for three cash cups in a row, like you're looking for a new duo immediately. Yeah. Um, so that's a rarity, and the fact that you guys were able to make it work and then pr produce results, not even just, you know, stick together and have nothing work, but 
that continued improvement. I, that's really cool to see, and I, I hope you guys continue to improve and do do well in the future for whatever that is. I, I don't think either of us really know what's coming up next. Nobody knows. Yeah, <laughs> we got a lot of late game cups coming up soon that are trios we have solo and duo cups and so this is something that just came to my mind my mind saying that but how do you feel about all of the tournaments that are going on right now do you feel like you have to play everything i know with your grind mentality you want to play a lot but you have duo cash cups, which if you call for finals are two days a week. You have solo cash cups, which if you call for finals are two days a week. Let's say you don't even call for either finals. That's still two days. Then you have trio cash cups on Friday. Then there is definitely other tournaments that pop up, like third parties and things like that. Do you think we have too much going on right now in Fortnite? Or is this good to help sustain like competitive Fortnite? Um, I think it's a pretty hard question, but I think, um, like after Grands is over, we shouldn't have this long of a, like the season shouldn't take that long to end after Grands is over. Like Grands should be like the last tournament of the season. Um, maybe have like one week of cash ups after and then just have like a two week break of tournaments because... Um, us Fortnite players, we don't really ever get, we don't know when we're able to just chill with family or, or like, uh, for example, this year, my family wanted to go to like Greece and like, I, I can't plan like three months before and I'm, I'm never going to know if I have time or not because we just never know. And I'm not going to skip an FNCS to go on vacation. Um, but yeah, I think it would just be super nice to like after grants to have like two weeks of nothing. Like, I'd probably still, like, grind the game a bit, but just have, like, to just have that mental reset and then, like, just full grind going to next season because um, I don't think any pro player can do that if there's tournaments on. Like, obviously, you could just not play the tournaments, but then you're just falling back, like, on PR, on money, on, like, learning. Like, you can't just let people outgrind you and play tournaments while you're doing nothing. So I think... The season should be planned better that we have those full grind like weeks before grands and then after grands have like two week break and then go into next season and start full grinding again. Yeah, that makes sense. Almost instead of having a preseason where there's nothing, have a preseason where there's cash cups and things like that. Um, and then have like a week or two before FNCS starts. So you get three weeks to a month of like a, a build up to FNCS and then you have your month of FNCS. And then after that, that's it. We're done. Chill. Do whatever content stuff you got to do. We don't necessarily need tournaments. And then, you know, repeat the cycle. Hopefully, though, it's a little different next year. Um, I'm very hopeful we get some, like, in-person stuff that breaks up the monotony of FNCS because it has seemed very monotonous this year with it yeah. just being back-to-back-to-back. And until pretty much this FNCS, we had no idea that there was really anything connected to performing in like x place and getting that invite um so mm. hopefully next year's better has a little more at stake that builds kind of a narrative and makes it more interesting and more engaging for the overall community i, I like that idea um yeah i also uh i don't understand why fortnite didn't um clearly communicate since the start of the year saying like because they knew this invitation is going to happen 100 percent. i don't think this is like a short-term thing 
Um, so why not just say at the start of the season, hey, look, uh, performing really good in in one FNCS will get you invited to the Invitational, or maybe even like say top seven in EU gets invited. I don't know, top three in NA. I don't know why we just have to like guess um, or like didn't even know that this is happening until this FNCS. But um, and then going back to the cash cups, I mean, if Fortnite, uh, like. I'd still rather play more cash cups than less. Like, I don't want them to just, like, cut away, like, five cash cups because they think we need a break after FNCS. But, um, yeah, I think having, like, a one- or two-week break would be really good. Yeah, I think the not clearly stating what the requirements were for Invitational at the beginning of the year was a big miss. I think we easily could have built, like, much more interest in the entire year of competitive if you yeah. know come beginning of the year they're like we plan on doing the invitational and then this is the requirement based on your region pretty much like what world cup was like an yeah. online qualifier into uh an in-person event but like, i understand why they couldn't have because the invitational was probably still in the planning and stages and making sure everything was going to happen before the first fncs happened um likely they had most of it locked in but probably not like 100 percent. and then obviously the war in ukraine happened and like we saw russian and ukrainian players were not invited at first and i don't know what exactly happened with those two but they figured something out as far as malibu and girls to be able to get to uh the u.s well hopefully knock on wood they're able to get a visa and get over here uh, I, I think it made it more complicated and likely was the reason why they just straight up said it's an invitational because also say you have someone that finishes top three in an FNCS and just shit talks all the time, right? They're just like a terrible representation of the game. You don't necessarily want to bring that person to a bigger stage and, you know, prop them up, which is what's going to be the invitational. So I understand both perspectives. I'm with you. I, I do think it was a miss, but I can also understand why they, they didn't straight up say that, or they might not even have known like that could also have just yeah. been an option. Yeah, that's a fair point. Um, But like, there's like, I think two players in you that I feel super bad about, like Stormy should have gotten invited if Malibuka got invited. 100%. Like... Uh, I feel super bad for him. And then I have no idea at all why Paco is not a backup player. Like, top 12 got invited. Last FNCS, he got 13th. Like, it was one place off of being invited, and he's 18 or older, and he's not a backup player. And then, I don't know, I definitely thought about, like, why why am I invited 25th place and not Paco, who got 13th place. So I definitely feel bad for him. Uh, I wonder why that's the case. Nobody knows, and we will, I guess, never know. But there's just some weird things that... Like, I wish we had more clarification on some things in Fortnite. Yeah, the comms definitely could be improved at times. Um, they've definitely got. They've definitely been better this year, though. Yeah, 100%. Last year was almost just like a black hole play and whatever showed up in the compete tab, and now we've actually got yeah. some communication. My guess for the backup players is they've kind of wanted to re reward people that have been, like, a good figure in the community. I feel like you've been a pretty good figure within the community i mean you haven't had the same placements as like a paco like you just mentioned but i mean there's people that have been in this space creating content being a good figure and not being a jackass on social media has probably paid off for you right here with you know being invited 
Yeah, maybe that's the case, yeah. Um, all right, but let's start to wrap this up. I've got you for about an hour here, so thank you, first of all, for joining. I got a couple questions uh, to finish. Uh, first mm-hmm. of all, where does the name Frey come from? How did you get that name? Okay, so um, I I was playing like League of Legends and CS and PUBG before Fortnite, and my name was like a heroic alpaca or just alpaca like i googled like funny names and then i saw that name and then i just took it um but then eventually like i'm just gonna try to keep it short but i was in the uh, na pro discord and almost nobody knows this but i got like perma banned from the na pro discord (laughs) because of some like dumb joke i made like i was just young back then and then uh i needed to like i was just sitting in my bed like trying to make a new identity and then um, I was a big fan of Poach. His name is Five Letters and doesn't really mean anything. And I felt like a lot of pro players had like short names that just kind of like uh, sound good and don't mean anything. And then I don't know how, but somehow like I got to the name Frey and I instantly liked it. I think it's a like really clean name. Um, and then, yeah, that's pretty much how that name came to be. Nice. What was, what was your name before you got banned? That's a... Uh... Yeah, Alpaca, Alpaca. Okay interesting interesting and then uh your favorite fortnite skin favorite fortnite skin um i feel like i play the best like i'm a type there's people that when they play bad they like switch the skin and then they think they play better but i'm like i i need to play like the same skin almost always um so i'd say right now it's definitely just like a clean white superhero skin that's what i feel like the best on i really like ghoul trooper as well um yeah cool that's pretty much it and last but certainly not least uh where can people find you on social media what are you going to be up to uh give yourself a shout all right so on twitter it's freyfn uh on twitch it's just frey um and on youtube it's freyfn as well and uh i'm definitely gonna try to grind streaming a lot more so just make sure to check my twitch out put those noties on my twitter as well so you know when i'm live um and yeah that's pretty much it Nice. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining me, man. I really appreciate it. Um, And thank you to anyone consuming this, whether it be on YouTube, Spotify, or some other audio platform. Thank you very much. I hope you all enjoyed. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, go ahead, send me a DM on Twitter at somebody's gun, and we will see you guys next time. This has been another episode of the FN story. Peace. Peace.